Have you ever had the thought, I wish I could read the person's mind who's sitting across from me right now? Especially when it comes to interviewing a promising candidate, working with a team member who's struggling, or during critical negotiations. Well, today, our guest, Scott Rouse, is going to show you how you can by paying attention to nonverbal signs. An in-demand behavior analyst and body language consultant, who's also expert in advanced interrogation training, which always gives me a giggle. I'm thankful my husband doesn't have that skill. Scott has trained alongside the FBI, Secret Service, US military intelligence, and Department of Defense. He brings nonverbal communication expertise to a variety of roles in industries, including the ones we care about, firm CEOs, sales managers, wealth managers, and financial advisors. Scott's goal is to help them get another data point, behavior, to make better decisions about people and questionable situations. Welcome, Scott, and thank you so much for being on the Leadership Journey podcast. Well, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. So explain what you mean when you say that people who study behavior give themselves an unfair advantage against the rest of us. When you understand what somebody might be thinking or what they might do next, it really gives you a, an advantage to the situation, whether, whether you're hiring someone or being hired. So you'll know what to ask, what not to ask, you know, the things to stay away from in conversations. There are so many little things like that that tell you. Uh, they give you an idea whether the person is engaged with you or if they're not engaged with you, if they like you, if they don't like you, if they're just there to be, um, to, to look at the person they're going to hire, but they're not going to hire them because they've hired somebody else, those kind of things. So talk about how understanding body language helps the interviewer when hiring a potential advisor or any candidate. Before I ramble on about this, there are no cues that will tell you if someone's lying or telling the truth. I know that you always hear, I have a huge nose, and people say when they scratch their nose, that means they're lying, or they'll look down <laughs> to the left or up and to the left, or whatever that thing is. It means they're lying. None of that stuff's true at I all. I have heard that. Not even a little bit. Yeah. Well, that's that's famous in movies and TV shows and, and magazines and stuff, but it, it means absolutely nothing. Like crossed arms, everybody thinks that means it usually means nothing at all, except right. the person is cold or they're more, right. it makes them more comfortable. So you can't read in, anything into those. But when you start seeing things, when you ask someone a question, and let's say, for example, you see like uh, this shoulder here, you see a quick little shoulder shrug, and you go, Well, I usually do so and so. This indicates that that person is not really sure about that answer. They're not really confident with it. But if you see that and their chin may go toward that as they're saying it, in my experience, and the, the studies on this are very thin, and from my experience, so when I have, when something's from my experience, I'll let you know. And but I find that people are are generally being deceptive if the chin goes over here, and the shoulder comes at the same time, that quick little pop like that. So I look for things like that, and I train um, CEOs when they're interviewing people to look for those things as well. For example, when you're talking about money. And you or, or something that that's important. And as you talk to them, they back up just not a whole lot. But if you as you speak with them, they back up just a little bit. We call that one cue. Doesn't mean anything. But you see them go back a little bit, and they give the answer, and that little shoulder pops as they go up. There's two cues. So you could say mm, something's up here. However, if you see three, let's say you're they're doing this, and you see um, as they back up, you see this go up, and they're. A brow kind of comes together right here, kind of knits together. The glabella is what, is what that's called. Then you know some, there's an issue there. Something's up. Something's not right there. It may not be that they're being deceptive with you, but there's something, there's an issue there. Something's happened psychologically 
that lets you know that they're either not sure about it, they're getting ready to tell you something isn't true, or they're just uncomfortable with that subject. So they may not like finances. They may not like that type of thing. So it's things like that that I, I train to look for and to pay attention to so they'll know who they're dealing with and have a better idea of, of what's happening and who they may be in, in business with for years and years and years. So you've done work with financial advisors and wealth managers. What do you focus on with them and how does it help them? Well, quite often what they're looking for is to make it in simple terms is a con, whether that, where it's, it's not like the greasy con that comes off the street and, you know, not that kind of person, but someone who is in it for the long con for, or for small things they'll get throughout their tenure with that company. There are certain cues you'll see that let you know that person is a predator or they're, they're someone who takes advantage of things, the way they speak, the words they use, how they use their words. When they're explaining something to you about the finances, do they speed up, their words get really close together, or do they relax as they tell you these things? Now, a good con is a person who will be able to tell you things, and you, you'll, you will never see it. It will seem so natural, and so it'll flow so well that it, it, you'll just go right by you, but you have to look for that as well. If it seems really pleasant and really wonderful as they're speaking with you, maybe something's up with that as well. So you have to be, I'm not saying be paranoid, but you have to be on alert for everything. If it seems too good to be true, usually it is, as you know, as everyone yeah. knows. But if it sometimes, sometimes you'll see things that'll tell you that person, you'll see these cues and you haven't studied long enough or you haven't found out you don't have enough information about body language. You'll think that person is being deceptive when they're not being deceptive or something's up when it isn't. So you got to watch out for those things as well. Do you ever coach people on confidence, like how they can use body language on themselves to be perceived as more confident than they actually are? Oh, yeah. Yeah, a lot of because that's what you want when you hire someone, or you get when you go to the doctor. You don't want a doctor going. I think what's wrong with you? I, I, your throat looks weird. It's got those little <laughs> white dots on it. I don't, and you got a fever. You know, let's. So you don't want that. You want somebody to say, "Here's what's going on." You want somebody that talks slowly, very clearly. Look you right in the eye and say, "Here's what's happening. You've got a sore throat. I know you're worried about it, but it's just a strep throat. I'm going to give you some stuff that's going to help it go away. So you, their movements won't be all big and flagrant. They'll be very small and they'll be directed right at you. One good thing I always, I always try to train is when you connect with someone, connecting with a person is the most important thing you can do. And there's a way to go about doing that. And it, it uses three things. It's the way you listen to the way the person talks. And they'll, as they speak, they're going to talk about one of three categories. They'll fall into the auditory part where they talk about how things sound. For example, say, it sounds good to me. I hear what you're saying. And when mm -hmm. they say those kind of words, you use that kind of vernacular with them as well. You say, oh, I hear you. That sounds good to me. We'll do this or that. That's Her shirt's kind of loud, don't you think? They'll say things that have to do with sound. Then you have mm -hmm. the visual person who will talk about colors or they'll talk about how pretty something is. You'll be able to tell if they're a visual person. They'll, they'll talk about the, the intricacies of a painting or, or as they, as they're talking to you, they'll say, for example, a bad pitch, you know, to paint a picture of whatever it is, you'd have to do whatever that kind of thing. Or it seems a little hazy. I don't understand what's happening. Mm -hmm. So you would talk about things like that as well. Now, then you have the kinesthetic person, the person who feels, and they may say, well, she has kind of a sticky personality or 
that's I hear I heard his pitch. It was a little bit rough. So they'll talk like that. They'll have things that, that do with feelings. So you use your you change your vernacular to go in with their feeling. And that's called matching. You match that person's approach to communication. And we always hear about mirroring. You always hear when people somebody does that, well, you do that too. You know, you, you gotta be gotta be cool about it. If you if you walk up to somebody and somebody's standing, one person's got their arms crossed and the other person's is like this, and, and another person's like this. You pick the one you're going to look like that that is the leader. You find out, you decide which one is in charge. And once mm -hmm. you do that, you don't just walk up and go like that with them. You have to talk for a minute and you may use your hands and then just kind of scoot into that so it's comfortable. So it, so you just ease into it because if you don't, they're going to think that you're making fun of them or mocking them. So matching and mirroring are probably the number one thing uh, that's usually where I start once I explain what's going on psychologically with the brain and how you see people and how they see you and all that, I go right to that because that's so important for communication, especially with leaders, especially in, in finances. When it comes to finances, I don't understand it. For some people like me, it's horrifically boring. But when you get into people who are fascinated by it and they're always smart, they're always really smart people, they love stuff like this. You're sort of dealing with something in a mathematical perspective when you're talking about uh, the psychology and the, and the neurology of how someone reacts and what happens when they see something that disturbs them and how you know it, they become fascinated with that. Because believe it or not, as horrifically boring as the stuff I'm talking about sounds, it's, it's really fascinating what you get into it and understand it. And people who are analytically inclined, they usually find that stuff fascinating. So I usually get along with them. Great. Yeah, I bet. But yeah. when you think about your work with CEOs versus the different roles, what are you looking to help them accomplish? Looking like a leader and being able to understand what's happening in the room. That's so important to understand what everybody's thinking and how they feel about things. Sometimes when the CEO says something, you always have that person that just repeats what they said, you know, or they're like, yeah, or they're the first ones to talk and all that. The one you're looking for is the one that doesn't, doesn't speak much. I teach them how, and why it's interesting to talk to that person because they may, they're going to see things completely different than everybody else in that room. That's, for example, one of the things I, I, I train them to look for who may have a, a thought that may, or an idea that may help, but they're afraid to say anything, or they may be shy, right. or there's not, or in the hierarchy of what's happening in that world, they may not want to say anything because somebody else you know, always tells them that, you know, how that is. It's just, yeah, for so sure. you have to know what to look for. To, to see if anybody else has something they need to say or they would like to say that may help. It may not help, but at least you'll know what they have on their mind. You have all the information you can possibly get out of that meeting. So I'm curious for people listening that say, how can I learn more about this? How can I get trained in this? Where would you point them to? I always go to studies, you know, which sounds that's I mean, speaking of horrifically boring. Yeah, that into, sounds boring. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's it's like, and I can promise you this, you can call just about any university and ask their, their neurology department and psychology, but there's gonna be somebody in there that hates me because I call them every day. I, I could to make sure I've got all the latest updates on studies and and everything going on. So they I'll call some of them have said they don't work there anymore. He's not with us anymore. <laughs> I'm like, no, man, I just got an email from him like two days ago. He sent it to my buddy. I know because he's talking to him. He's still there. So it, it's they hate me, some of them. But I need all the information. There are a couple of great books to get. If you want to start just from the beginning, there's a there's a book called What Everybody is Saying by, by Joe Navarro. He's an ex-FBI agent. 
And he's he's one of the the he's like the Michael Jackson or Elvis Presley of, of body language. He's one of those guys. That book makes it easy to understand what's happening in body language. I wrote a book called Understanding Body Language, which simplifies all the things I'm talking about. But if you're just like, I'm going to check it out and see what body language is like, I would check that book out. It's really good because I still refer to it sometimes. And I still think about a lot of things that, that he talks about. He's a great trainer and a great speaker and a great body language analyst and expert. There's a guy named Paul Ekman. He's the guy that first started the studies of what are called microexpressions. And microexpressions are the expressions that are leaked when a person doesn't want you to see them, but they jump out a little bit. You can't you can't fake them. It's really hard because it happens so quickly. Oh God, yeah. Yes. So it, you can see what's happening with their with their facial expressions. And there's little tiny things. It, it's a knee jerk reaction, which is why you can't. It's hard to replicate it when it's not actually happening. Is that what you're saying? And sometimes they don't realize that's what they're doing. But you'll see a really quick little smile or one little side of the mouth go up, or you might see this, or a bunch of little things. You know, if they feel, if they're disgusted by that, if they're showing disgust or disdain um, or happiness or anger, or like we were talking earlier about disagreeing with something, it's all those little things you'd look for. And that's for the, more of the one-on-one -on -one meetings. When I do, I'm like, quite often I'm hired by VCs to watch someone pitch to them and then let them know what I think about that person pitching, whether they're, making it up where they can pull this off. They believe they can pull it off. Is it a con? What, what are we dealing with here? So I go in and watch those. And you can you can tell a lot from micro expressions from those situations. So that's that's one thing I would, I would get into as well. I would, I would check out Joe Navarro's book, um, What Everybody is Saying. Look into Paul Ekman. He's the, but Paul Ekman's going to be more of, uh, I'm starting to talk shop here. Paul Ekman's going to be more for the person who studied and into that, into the study of it. Versus know. than a layman who wants to get enough to yeah. help them. Yeah. Yeah. Decisions so, people. Exactly. And in my book, I, I packed it full of all that's all that. That's why it's called understanding body language. So you can understand what's happening when you see somebody. And it's really simple. I tried to sort of pat it after the way the the classic body language books are written that, that worked, you know, that of, of the people who are, they're not a whole lot of valid, um, references <laughs> yeah because a lot of times you'll get someone who's they'll say i'm a body language expert and they'll come and speak to your company and they'll open up with the with the, the, the classic because they've just googled this stuff of, of the 73855 rule which is body language understanding communication is seven percent the words we use 35 percent the tone of voice and the rest of it is the percent of it is body language. So mostly body language is what you understand, you know, and which is completely not true. I have heard that. Yeah. There's a guy, I've named, heard uh, it. Uh, there's a fellow named Dr. Moravian and he's the guy that came up with that. But what he came up with, it, what happened was people took two different studies and put them together and came up with this really weird thing <laughs> called the seven thirty-eight fifty-five rule. And I heard about this back in the eighties. I love, to this day, I still call everybody and email, but I called him up. I found him in, in California. He was at uh, UCLA. And I think it was UCLA. And I called him. I said, hey, listen, I'm hearing this thing called the 738.55 rule. What's going on with that? What That does not doesn't sound right to me. He said, it isn't right. because. And then he explained to me how somebody took two different studies and stuck them together. And he said, every time you get a chance, if it comes up, will you please tell whoever you're talking to? And I said, yeah. So as it ends up, I get to tell, you know, hundreds and thousands of people every year that that's not true. You know, that, that it was just, it was, it's a mistake. It's a myth. It right. Does, it it's doesn't, it it's really not even doesn't. a mistake. It's a, it's a, 
Babel. My point is you'll get the expert who, who really isn't an expert. They just Google stuff. So if you go give information like that to law enforcement or the uh, military, you might get them killed. If you're doing what's called a non-felony stop, if you're a police officer and you've pulled someone over and they start doing a couple of things and you think they've got a gun when they don't, you might end up shooting them. Right. Or they may do something that makes you that makes you think they don't have something in there. And so they may get shot. So you, it's it's really, that kind of thing gets on my nerves. I'm, I'm going too far down the what's important to me <laughs> thing here. Sorry about that. Well, I can see why. I can understand why. <laughs> so on that note, Scott, thank you so much for generously sharing your expertise in body language and why gaining this skill gives us an ex exponential advantage when we're leading people. And also, where can we get better at it? So... To subscribe to the Leadership Journey podcast, where we feature ways to grow your business and control your legacy, visit MacaulayandCo.com and sign up. To get Scott Rouse as a speaker, reach out to him at Scott Rouse on LinkedIn. To watch him along with three of the world's top behavior experts riff on body language tells and nonverbal cues seen in everyday news plus pop culture, Subscribe to his YouTube channel, The Behavior Panel. Of course I already did. Scott, I know our audience has received high value from our time together today. Until okay, next good. time, keep leading yourself and your teams to higher levels of success in all areas of your lives. <laughs>